Would you take your Bibles and stand up with me and go with me to the book of Acts chapter 8. If you love the word, whether you have it in your hand, in a phone or whatever, we're going to read together in honor of the spirit of God, his presence and his word. I begin in Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. And an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, get up and go to the south road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So that he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch and high official of Candace, queen of Ethiopian, of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. And when Philip ran to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? That's our assignment in this world, is to interpret the kingdom and the living message of God to a world that doesn't understand it. So listen carefully. He said, Do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. Speaking of Christ, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before his shearer, and he does not, and he does not open his mouth in his, in humili- in his humiliation, justice was denied him. And who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about himself or someone else? And Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus. Beginning with that scripture, and they were traveling down the road, they became, they came to some water. The, the eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? So he ordered the chariot to stop. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Father, I pray that you would etch the word into our minds. I pray that you would imprint it in our hearts and you would turn it into an action word as we walk this journey with you in the earth. In Jesus' name. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Acts chapter 8 is a unique chapter. It's a powerful, powerful chapter. In Acts chapter 8, now we've been in a study in the book of Acts, and it's leading us to, to the plan of God. The plan of God said, Acts chapters 1 through 7, the message will go to Jerusalem. The plan of God said, Acts 8 through 10, the message will, will come to Jeru- Samaria and Judea. And Acts chapter 10 and following, the Bible reminds us the message will go to the uttermost part of the earth. Now, Acts chapter 8 is a turning point. It's a crossing section, if you will. It's a bridge between Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea. It's a beautiful bridge, and it shows us a contrast. Now, we've already experienced many things already through the first seven chapters. We've seen the church grow. We've seen the church multiply. We've seen God adding to the church, multiplying the church, subtracting from the church. And we all agreed that God will never divide the church. Now we come to Acts chapter 8 in this turning point, and we see a contrast. What kind of contrast, Fadi? We see a contrast between truth and falsehood. In Acts chapter 8, if you read the whole chapter, though, you will see three characters show up to you. Number one, you'll see Simon the sorcerer who desires to be a believer but doesn't have the right motive, never becomes a believer. 
Because Christianity to him is just a gain, but he was not willing to surrender his life. And then you see the Ethiopian man who wants to be a believer, becomes a believer, an active ambassador for the kingdom of God, and a transformational worldwide agent, and we'll see that in just a moment. Then we see the messenger, that's you. That's the Philip in you. That's the Philip, the evangelist that God is calling all of us to be. So we see a contrast. What kind of a contrast? It's a contrast between darkness and light. It's a contrast between truth and falsehood. It's a contrast between one individual who is pretending to be a believer but yet never was, and one wants to be a believer, understands Messiah the prophet, and gives his life to Jesus Christ, and immediately becomes on mission to bring the world to Jesus Christ. So we see this wonderful contrast between, again, a false pretending believer and a true believer. And I just want to say a statement right up here. The people who will always turn you away from the church, most of the time, will be one of these two kinds of people. They will either be a pretending believer, but yet are not a believer, but they're pretending to be one. They've opened the gateway for hell and Satan to drive people out of the church, like Simon the sorcerer. Or it will be somebody who is a believer that has broken fellowship with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, and with the presence of God. And they're out of the will of God. And they've opened a gateway for the enemy to come in and use them rather than being sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God to use them for His kingdom. So when people talk about the church being, uh, being a hypocrite place or a place where people are incomplete, the answer to that is yes. Yes, because the church is a healing house. It's a hope house. It's a completing house. It's a house where people are purged and changed and transformed. Those that are believers that are growing in Christ. Those that are unbelievers that need to know Christ. And those that are believers that have broken fellowship with Christ and need to be restored to Christ. That's what the house of God is all about. Are y'all okay? That's what the house of God is all about. So here in chapter 8. As we have read, there's a beautiful encounter. Now, before I get to the encounter, the reason I want to get to chapter 8, 9, and 10 in the next week or so is because in these three chapters, we see God's plan in fullness. In Acts chapter 8, we see an Ethiopian man becoming a believer. He's the son of Ham. And God desires the children of Ham to come to him. In Acts chapter 9, we'll see Saul of Tarsus becoming a believer. He's the son of Sham. And God desires for all the children of Sham to come to Christ. And then in Acts chapter 10, we see Cornelius, who is the son of Japheth, coming to Jesus Christ. And God desires all the sons of Japheth to come to Jesus Christ. See, that's God's plan. God loves the nations and the world. God loves people of all kinds. God loves people of all colors, of all nations, of all tribes, whether they speak southern or northerner and whatever, they speak with accent or none, God loves mankind. Are y'all all right? God loves mankind and God wants the children of Ham to come to him, the children of Shem to come to him, and the children of Japheth to come to him. They represent the sons of Noah. They represent the people of the earth. God loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have an everlasting life. Amen. 
So what I want you to see is here, chapters 8, 9, and 10 gets the gospel beyond Jerusalem into Samaria and Judea, and then to the uttermost of the world. They, those three chapters become a bridge that takes the gospel, listen, from Jerusalem and on and going. So it, they are the bridge between the birth of the church and then the addition of the church. They are the bridge between the addition of the church to the multiplication of the church, and then the, the bridge between the multiplication of the church to the glorification of the church. Because it reminds us that all mankind can come to God from everywhere and every direction. God whistles His people from all directions to come to Him. And that's the beautiful uh, crossroad that we are stepping right into. Now, I love this encounter with Philip. It really, it really reminds me that I need to stay on assignment with God, and I need to be aware that I'm here to represent Him. I love this character that the Bible has given us called Philip. Now remember, Philip was chosen. He was chosen to serve uh, as one of those who were serving the church when the church was expanding and, and multiplying. And the widows from the, from the Greek background, they felt like they were not dealt a good hand. So they've assigned a bunch of leaders to come in and help them serve tables. I love that. God grew a man from serving tables to serve the Word, the word of God. Isn't that beautiful? God takes Philip, Philip while serving bread, and then he brings him to, to serve the living bread. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Every word that what? That proceeds out of the mouth of God. As a matter of fact, this character we call Philip is such a powerful character. He became not only an evangelist, he became a mentor. His daughters became prophetically gifted and they would release the prophecies for a nation uh, where they lived. And so, so here's a man of God growing with God in the call of God to deliver the message of God to bring people to God. To bring people to God. That's the journey of maturing with Christ. From childhood, all the way to toddlerhood, all the way to your mature seasons, all the way to your mature seasons beyond, and then you serve Him to glorify. Whatever He calls me. I love that hymn that we used to sing. Wherever He leads, what? I will go. That's what, that's Philip's life's journey. As a matter of fact, in chapter 8 and verses 4 and 5, listen to what he said. So those who were scattered went on, their way preaching the word Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds, the crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said. They listened and saw the signs he was performing for an unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and a lame were he and the lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. There was great joy in that city. A revival had broken in Samaria. We've already seen revival in Jerusalem, the first seven chapters. Now there's revival in Samaria because a servant say, I'm here. I've been called to the apostolic anointing, to prophetic anointing. I've been called to the evangelistic anointing. I've been called to go and I will go. And because he said yes, God's footprints was marked right before him and he went right into Samaria and he took his anointing and he began to release his calling and the city now 
now is experiencing great joy. Why? A crowd has discovered Jesus is Messiah. A crowd has discovered Jesus is Redeemer. A crowd has discovered Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's our job, the church at Harpeth Heights in Bellevue. Our job is to go with the anointing that God has given us so the crowd at Bellevue can discover Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is what redeemed our sins and we can be forgiven. And Christ is one day coming and they need to come to him. Are y'all all right? Are you okay? So, so this is Philip's message. Now he's there. Uh, you say, Fadi, well, what would make up the, what are the signs, the characteristics of a man of God, of a woman of God, surrendered to God? Let me give you three quick characteristics and then we'll bring this sermon to closure. Number one, a surrendered man of God, a surrendered woman of God. Here it is. Are you ready for it? Number one, it will be one whose heart and mind is totally totally given to respond to the call of God. One whose heart and mind is responding to the call of God. I like to term it the other way. Here's one who hears the voice of God. One who hears the voice of God. A surrendered woman of God, a surrendered man of God is one who says yes to the call by listening to the voice of God. You're consistently hearing the voice of God. Now you, you see the narrative before you, don't you? You see where Philip is. Now, Philip is in, in, a, in a city. Now, everything is hustling, bustling, full of joy. Everything is just moving and people, crowd is running to Philip. And God, the Holy Spirit, who took Philip out of Jerusalem and took Philip right into Samaria, shows up to Philip again. Because you see, once you're used to fellowship and communion with the Holy Spirit of God, he's always in your presence and you're always in his presence. See, we're always in his presence and we're sensitive to hear his voice. So the very spirit that led him to Samaria now is leading him to another place. Now, Philip is surrounded by crowd. And I know a bunch of preachers that would have said to God, to the Holy Spirit, wait a minute, God. I mean, don't you see what I'm doing? I mean, you called me here and a revival broke. And, and by the way, Jesus, I mean, look, I, my calling doesn't fit small towns. I mean, I'm not called to people outside of the big city. I mean, I'm not really called to go to just a few people. I, I am gifted to go to the larger crowds. I'm, I'm gifted to be surrounded by people that are highly educated. I'm gifted to, to go to places where things are all put together and everything is in place. And I come in and I usher with my great anointing. I just usher this river. Don't, don't you see, God, you called me to this place. And now you're calling me out of this place to go where? Gaza? I mean, wait a minute, God. Gaza means that I'm going down the coastline, out of Jerusalem, out of Samaria, right into Egypt where they worship idols, and then right into Ethiopia where they don't know God. And you're calling me out of this great revival? You want me to lead, leave this revival and go to one man? I mean, look, here I'm bringing crowds to you. And now you want me to go and, and, and witness to one man? Look at me for just a second. That's revival. That's revival. 
Revival happens when you are in the crowd or outside the crowd. Revival happens when you're, listen, when you're talking to one man or a thousands of people. That's revival. Revival is not the color of bunch of people just coming and it won't happen unless there's bunch of crowds. Revival can happen in the desert. When God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring one man to me and then send him all the way out to North Africa and bring all of North Africa to Jesus Christ. That's revival. Revival happens on the road to Damascus, as we see next Sunday morning, where one man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, just threatening the church, comes to God by a direct encounter with Jesus Christ. That's revival. And then you and I know God today because of one man. That's revival. That's revival. When you hear the voice of God taking you where God wants you, because His agenda always supersedes mine, and His agenda is always good, better than mine, and His agenda is what advances mine. Are y'all all right? That's revival. To be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God, to go exactly where God wants you to go. I love what one writer said. Dwight L. Moody said, show me one man surrendered to God, and I'll show you what I could do with one heart Surrender to the Holy Spirit of God. One individual. I've, I've, I've had people asking me all the time, Fadi, I mean, how can I know the will of God for my life? I'm, I, the reason I'm in a standstill is because I really don't know the will of God for my life. Well, if you'll just be quiet enough, you will hear the will of God for your life. He's not a God of confusion. He's a God of clarity. And if you sit quiet in his presence, he will lead you right into his will. After all, listen carefully. You, listen, here's the will of God. Are you ready? Do you, have, you got your Bibles with you? Would you lift up your Bibles with me? Would you just lift up your Bibles? Let me see them. That's the will of God. Doing what the word of God said to do is the will of God. And when you, listen, when you do the will of God, you'll discover the will of God. When you, do, when you do the will of God, you'll discover the will of God. You want to know what the will of God is? When you do the will of God, you'll discover the will of God, and it becomes the will that God has put for you because of God. Are you with me? That's the will of God for our lives. It's not some magic thing striking you saying, okay, now here's what you do. Philip is in communion with the Holy Spirit because he's sensitive to the voice of God and he's obeying the call of God. Secondly, I want you to see that Philip is, is a surrendered evangelist and a called man of God simply because he's sensitive to the voice of God. But secondly, he was sensitive to obey the will of God. He was sensitive to obey the will of God. God's opportunities are time sensitive. God's opportunities are time sensitive. Most all of us will turn down some opportunities that would have turned our lives in a different way. Really. Really. Because we all look back and regret days and seasons and years we've wasted in our lives. But we are surrendered people of God simply because we've learned to listen to His voice and then we've learned to obey His command. We've learned to obey His command. Now Philip leaves everything and he follows all the way to Gaza to a man who's searching, who a man whose God has been working on. Did you notice what happened with this Ethiopian man? He goes all the way to Jerusalem. Why? He's a seeking individual. Now he's a man of, of good wealth. He's got the treasures of the Ethiopian kingdom there with him. He has other people probably traveling with him. He's not on his own in a chariot doing all of that, guiding the horses. He's got other people traveling. 
traveling with him. He's seeking. He goes to Jerusalem and he finds the, the, the wells of religion dry. He doesn't find anything. No answers. But he's still seeking. I love that. So I, Fadi, I just don't really know who we, t- we can talk to. I'm, I mean, I don't know who would respond. I'm afraid to share the gospel with people. They may get offended. You don't know whom God is preparing to receive the gospel. There are people out there right now as we speak that are seeking to discover him. They're, they're being wooed by the Holy Spirit to come to him. And they need a messenger to come to them to remind them, listen, because I'm changed, you can be changed. Because I'm transformed, you could be transformed. Because I heard the story, I can share the story. Because my destiny have changed, your destiny have changed. And your job and my job as servants of God is not to determine our destination, but listen, but to commit ourselves to, in devotion to Almighty God. Your job is to say yes. His job is to guide you to where He wants you to go. And then you will experience what God has for your life. And Philip recognized, I need to obey what God is calling me to do. So he goes on his his way and in his obedience God begins to open the door. He leaves behind a revival to get to another revival. Now here's the man, the Ethiopian man. He's seeking and he's reading in Isaiah chapter 53. I love that. He's talking, he's reading about the prophet who will come one day and he'll be rejected. The prophet who'll come one day and be dejected. But then like a lamb, he'll go to the cross and die for the sins of humanity. And Philip gets right close to him to be used of God to describe what the word of God is saying to this Ethiopian man. If Philip chose not to go, this man would have lived in his confusion and possibly North Africa might have not seen the first wave of revival. But God will get it there. But listen carefully. This, our obedience opens the gateway for other people to come to Christ. I remember one time, and I'm, I'm trying to speak fast so we could be done on time next, when I'm done. So no, no, just so listen. I, I remember one time I'm in Huntington going all the way home to Martin. I was working in Nashville, traveling back. And I'm at Walmart out of all places. I am at Walmart. I'm at Walmart and and my wife said, Fadi, stop and get us some coffee. So I get there, run right to the coffee aisle. And I am going fast. And I'm just going fast to the coffee aisle. And I'm going to pick up the coffee bag. And on my way to Martin. And so, so I get there and I look for my Sumatra. I find my Sumatra. And I started to pick it up. And I notice there's a man standing left, left to me. And he's kind of watching like I normally do. You know what you're going to get, but you're still going to gaze and see if there's something better out there. So you, you're looking. And he's trying to look. And, and he's looking. I said, are you, are you getting coffee like I'm getting coffee? He goes, yeah, but I don't know what to get. I said, I said this is good. And this could be good. And he said, he said, uh, Okay, uh, did you, did, would you recommend this? I said, yeah, that's what I'd recommend. He said, I'll take one. I said, I'll tell you what's good with it. He said, uh, he said what? I said, if you get you some, 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 some mocha, some, some mint mocha to go with it, that would be really good. Follow me. So we went, now you know where I'm going with this, don't you? So, so we're going to the, to the refrigerators, and I'm getting to the creamers, and I said, this is good with it right here. So you got the coffee in your hand, you got the mocha in your hand. I said, now when you brew it, here's what you need to, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? And so we're, we're talking now about coffee and then I said man where do you live he said I live right here in Huntington I said well and I said well that's wonderful what side of Huntington he was telling me he said where do you live I said I live in Martin Tennessee work in Nashville now I'm going back home in Martin we're in transition da, da, da. he said what do you do so he asked me what do you do the spirit of God has been working on him I said well I'm a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ you know, now people are so ashamed of the gospel. Well, I just kind of teach the word. 
Or I'm, I, you know, and they want to call it. No, I'm, I'm a messenger of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I began to witness to him. And then he told me of his background and past. and The Spirit of God has been working on him. I cannot tell you. I can tell you of the young man. who I'm coming out of a hospital of emergency room. And this young man saw me praying with a family that I didn't know. I was there to visit another family from our church. And I was trying to minister to this young family and praying with them. And, uh, and this young man was watching me. I did not know he was watching me. So I'm coming out and going to the next assignment. And as I leave, they're right there in a little kind of a little crevice right there. They're standing a young man. And I'm Pass him by him. He frightened me for just a second. He said, sir, can I talk to you? I thought it was the policeman because, you know, coming after him. I'm just kidding. But so, um, so, so I, I turn around and look. There was about a 31-year-old young man. He goes, sir, can I talk to you? I said, yes. He said, I've, I've heard you pray there with the family. I said, yes. I said, who are you with in here? He told me that he was there with his baby and his wife and, and all of that. He said, would you pray with me, please, for my family? I said, absolutely. Stop, Fadi, Stop. Give attention to what God is doing around you. So I prayed with a young man. I had a conversation with a young man. I said, and I started talking to him about the Lord. And I led him to the Lord right there in that little crevice. Gave his life to Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God is working. When you go because the Spirit says go, God said, I'm going ahead of you. Because that's how the work of God goes. God goes ahead of you and to prepare with the way before you. And then God works in you to bring other peoples with you to him. Are you with me? So I want you to see what makes a surrendered man of God, a surrendered woman of God, is one who hears the voice of God and obeys with a call. Number two is one who obeys God and does what God says to do. And he goes, and number three, and this is my closing point, is not only that, is one who literally, so one who obeys, and then number three, one who testifies. See, it's one thing to hear his voice and you, you're following him. It's another to obey him and get to your destination. But number three, you need to open your mouth and testify. I love what Philip said to him. He said, let me introduce you to this prophet. He's come to die for the sins of man. People will reject him, but you don't need to. People will say no to him, but you don't need to. Do you understand what you're reading? He said in verse 33, In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, I ask you, who is this prophet? Saying about, who said this about himself or others? And Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus. Beginning with that scripture. Jesus. <laughs> the name of Jesus. He begins to testify. One who's testifying. You see, the word of God is sharper than two-edged sword. It divides between, between the bone and the marrow. It, it, is, it is what separates. It, it's what grabs the attention of the spirit work of God. It's what makes sense. The word of God explains God. The word of God gives entrance to his light, the Bible said. His word is a lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my path. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the Bible says, Philip began to describe the good news. Well, what is the good news? The good news is the story that have changed your life. Keith Green was asked, how do you know God is alive? I mean, you went from one end of the world to the other end. How do you know that Jesus is real? He said, because he changed me. Has he changed you? And then the Ethiopian man said this to him. He said, sir, what will keep me from being baptized? That's how I know that Philip described the whole story. 
Good news is not like, well, you just need to be forgiven. Good news means you take the great commission at heart and you go make disciples of all nations. You teach them whatever commandments I taught you and I shared with you. And then you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He shared the entire good news. Here's what happens, sir. If you bow the knee before God because you can't bring salvation to your heart, you're a sinner and you have a sinful nature and you need God to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. And God, because of his ultimate absolute love for you. He came to this earth because he knew humanity needed a spotless lamb. And he went on Palm Sunday into Jerusalem on his way to the cross to die for my sins and your sins. And sir, if you humble yourself and quit trying to work your way into heaven, ma'am, if you humble yourself and try to work your way into heaven, and, and, and you, the Ethiopian eunuch, if you humble yourself and try to quit working your way into heaven, religion is not going to get you there. Uh, theology, ideas, Theology is not going to get you there. Any other way is not going to get you there. But there is a man named Jesus. There is a man named Jesus who came to this world. And as he came to this world, he came to die for me and to die for you. And as he came to die for all of us, he came to bring us to himself. And if you just, the Bible says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Are you hearing me today? Are you hearing me? And watch this now. God took the Spirit of God to bring about the work of the Word of God through the messenger of God to bring eternal life to a new child of God. God took His Spirit, the Spirit of God, to bring explanation to the Word of God through the man of God to bring a child to a new life in God. And that's what God wants to do for you. So my simple question to you today. Are you a Simon trying to earn Christianity by working your way into heaven? You're not going to make it. There are people who come to the house of God because they want the treasures of Christianity. And there are people that have become part of God because they have treasured Christianity. And friend, I want you to understand. You can't work your way into heaven. This baptism that he was baptized, first of all, by the Spirit into the body of Christ. And then in water to symbolize that he is part of the family of God. This is a believer's baptism. We don't get baptized to get saved. We get baptized because we've been saved. We demonstrate that we've been saved, changed from the inside. And now we've died to ourselves. And now we've become children of Almighty God. So friend, listen, here's the call this morning. Will you give your life to Jesus? If you're already a child of God, thank God for you. Then here's my question to you. Will you go? Will you hear the voice of God? Will you go wherever he leads? Will you open your mouth and testify? Will you become an agent in Bellevue? Would you bring the lost to Jesus Christ? But if you don't know Jesus as Lord of your life, I encourage you this morning. Receive him as I did. And I promise you upon the authority of the word of God, he will change your life. He will. He'll give you better dreams. He'll give you a better future. He'll give you a greater destiny. You need to give your life to Jesus. I'm closing with this story. This is so urgent, but you need to follow through. I was preaching at the church where I used to pastor in Northwest Tennessee. I was waxing eloquent with my sermon. <laughs> I thought, hey, I'm preaching. This is good. I'm a new preacher. And I'm preaching, and, and the Spirit of God is, 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 uh, is working, and 
And, and, and he's working on the congregation. The people are trying to pay attention to what God is saying through his word. And at the end of the service, I give an invitation. And I've asked our deacons to come and stand in front and receive the people. And so as the people started coming to give their life to Jesus, one of our deacons did not come to the front. A deacon didn't come to the front. And I was watching him and I thought, he's part of the team, but he didn't come. As we began singing, just as I am, just as I am. I noticed James pulled out from the last pew and started walking to my left. I still see his steps coming close and close, walking slow. And he walked closer and closer and closer and came right. And I thought he's fixing to take his place. He came and stood in front of me and just started looking at me. He said, Pastor, can I talk to you? I said, sure. And James looked at me with tears coming through his eyes. He said, I'm a Simon pretending to be real. I need to give my life to Jesus. See, you could serve and you can give and you can do a lot of things. But unless you're truly changed on the inside, you you don't have the peace that you need to have that passes all understanding. And some of you have done a million things in the church, but yet you're still struggling with the idea, are you truly a child of God? Give your life to Jesus today. Do what James did and don't delay one more day. Here's what you do. You pray a simple prayer like this. Would you bow your head with me? If you're here and you don't know him as Lord of your life, would you right now pray quietly in your heart right now? Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Come on, be real about it. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Save me. Forgive me of my sins. Change me. And use me for your glory. Just like Philip. Now pray a prayer like this. Dear God, thank you for bringing me to your sanctuary. And if you're watching online, I hope you're praying with us as well. Thank you for bringing me to the sanctuary today. That I may give my life to you. I praise you. That I'm no longer confused. I'm no longer doubting that today I surrender all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Look up here for just a second. If you've given your life to Jesus... Don't leave today without talking to me, to Steve, to somebody. Please share your decision with us. You're watching online if you've given your life to Jesus. Contact us. We want to help you grow in this journey. Amen.